Welcome to the Community Fellowship Podcast, your way to stay connected with biblically-themed messages, discussions, and interviews from Community Fellowship in East Bernard, Texas. Learn more about our church at the cfeb.church website, check us out on social media at CF East Bernard, or attend an in-person service at 635 Main Street in East Bernard. We are a local church that works to make the love of Christ for all humanity known to our community and the world. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this week's content. Uh, We started a series last week uh, called Jesus is Greater, and we are walking through the book of Hebrews together. And I kind of mentioned last week, selfishly, it is one of my favorite books in the New Testament. And that's kind of why we're walking through it together. But at the same time, it is super rich and super rewarding if we'll study it together. So I'm excited to be able to go through this with you guys. So last week we talked that the aim of the author, what the author was trying to do, uh, again, we don't know who the author is, but what he's trying to do is he is trying to show this church that is made up of mainly Hebrew believers that it is essential for them to commit and stay faithful to their faith in Jesus and not go back to wanting to be under the law again uh, as a Jewish person, because that's what they're starting to do. They're starting to wonder, should I stay faithful to Jesus, or should we go back into this old faith, because that was easier, it was more comfortable. And we talked about last week that it always seems to be easier to go back to law than it does to follow in grace. Um, That's a very difficult thing. And so that's what the author is talking about. But when I say the word aim, I want to make sure I kind of stop here for a second, because I think it's a good thing to teach about. When I say aim, I, just, want, just so you know, every time I come to a passage of Scripture and I'm studying through a passage of Scripture, a chapter, or a book, I ask myself three questions. And I've kind of come to call them my triple A helps, if you will. Um, I ask these questions. Who is the author? In other words, who is writing this particular book or this particular passage? Who is his audience? Who is he writing to? Is it an individual? Is it a church? Is it a group of people? And then the last one is, like I said just a second ago, the aim. What is the purpose? Why is he trying to write this? Because if we keep those three things focused as we're studying through God's word, what we're going to find is we're going to find that it's much more fulfilling and we understand what God is saying through that much easier. Because that is the purpose for why they're writing it. They're, the author is giving a reason why he's writing something. It's not just like random and boom, there we go kind of thing. There's a purpose for which he's writing. So I wanted to make sure we kind of talked through that real quickly as as we did that. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about seven different statements that the author of Hebrews makes to show that Jesus is greater than anything in the Old Testament. He's greater than the prophets we saw. He's greater than the angels. And and so he's greater than everything. And we're going to continue into that this morning. But what I'm hoping is I'm hoping as we look at chapters three and four that that we're going to see even more than just the fact that Jesus is greater, which is already enough, but that we can see more. But would you pray with me as we get started this morning? Father God, we thank you so much for your great love for us. We thank you for the foundation that we have in Jesus Christ and in your word. And we pray this morning that each of us who's come in here, God, we want God to, to hear you speak to us. It's not about me. It's not about even the passage that we're going through. What it is, is, God, we're hungry to hear you speak to us. So this morning, would you do that? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you challenge us? Would you convict us? 
Would you bring us back to Jesus? That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, have you ever caught yourself laughing um, at the absurdities on warning labels? Have you ever done that? Like, probably some of you are familiar. Uh, back in the early 90s, there was a woman who burned herself in a McDonald's drive through from coffee that spilled in her lap. Do you remember this? And uh, she sued them and won. Mind you, she won because there was not a warning label on the McDonald's coffee. Of course, now if you go through McDonald's, there's going to be a nice little warning label that says, Caution Hot. Well, I find myself laughing at all these different kind of warning labels. I just want to read a couple of these to you so that we can kind of share a little, a little fun here, okay? So the first one, the Duraflame. You guys familiar with the Duraflame? It's one of those logs that you light and you put it in there and it kind of keeps, gets things going, but it also keeps things going in your fireplace, right? It says this, caution, risk of fire. Okay. Uh, or this one, there was a Batman costume at one time that said, warning, cape does not enable user to fly. Now listen, I don't understand that one at all because Batman doesn't fly anyways. If it had been a Superman cape, I understand that one, all right? I get it. Uh, or what about this one? This is on a, a hair bottle of, of coloring, a hair, hair coloring bottle. It said this, do not use as an ice cream topping. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is that because it was cherry red, that's the only thing I can think of. Or this is, this is probably my favorite, though. This is absolutely my favorite, this last one. Uh, this is on one of those portable strollers that you fold up for your baby, right? It says, caution, remove infant before folding <laughs> for storage. <laughs> now listen, all kidding aside, all kidding aside, there's a reason that those warning labels are placed on those products, right? There's a reason that they're put on there. And as silly as it may seem, the company didn't do that just because they wanted to put something on there. It was probably because somebody did something dumb like that. So they didn't do it aimlessly. There was a purpose for it. And so this morning, what I want us to see in, in chapters 3 and 4 of Hebrews um, is that I want us to be able to identify a couple of warnings that the author of Hebrews gives us that we have to embrace if we want to remain confident in our faith in Christ. So let's turn to chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1 reading together. Chapter 3, verse 1 of Hebrews. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Verse 7. So as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though the, for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray, and they've not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you, may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. 
We have to come to share in Christ. If indeed we, are, we, we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. So last week, like I said, we saw that the author of Hebrews starts to set up Jesus as preeminent, that Jesus is greater than everything. And we saw that it was greater than the prophets, greater than the angels. Now this time, this time the author of Hebrews is getting like in the face and stepping on the toes of these Jewish believers. Because he says that Jesus has greater honor than Moses. Now, Moses, I was trying to think of an analogy when I was writing this. Moses is like the George Washington, okay? Like, if somebody came in and they said something negative about George Washington, or they said, well, you know what, you know what, I'm going to say this, I hope I don't get hurt, all right? President Biden is greater than George Washington. All of us, right, collectively? How dare you, Pastor James? That's George Washington. He's, he's the first president of our country. I mean, come on, right? That's exactly how it would have been for these Jews, okay? When, when this author says, hey, Jesus is greater, he's worth greater honor than Moses, they would have been absolutely offended. And then the author goes further, though. Look at, look at what the author even thinks about Moses, okay? So we saw there in the verse that he's, he's alluding back to another passage. And he says this. He says, that, G, that Moses spoke to God face to face. And he's actually looking at Numbers 12, where there is this conflict that kind of goes on in the community. This is an Old Testament passage where they're still wandering in the wilderness. Miriam and Aaron, who are Moses' siblings, if you remember, um, they say, hey, listen, we're worthy of respect and being listened to too, not just Moses. We're, we're just as important. We've been here since the beginning. We've been helping communicate what God wants all this time. But do you know what happens? This passage shows us God steps in. God says, hang on a second, Miriam. Hang on a second, Aaron. I say that Moses is more special than you. Everybody in the room who has a sibling goes, wait a second. I know what that favoritism feels like. Your sibling feels like they're the more important one. By the way, John and Ann, if you're listening to this, mom and dad really do love me more. Just joking. That's my siblings. I'm sorry. Just joking. Just joking, right? But that's what they're feeling in this moment. And that's what the author is trying to communicate. He is also giving just as much reverence to Moses because Moses is one who actually spoke with God face to face. And the reason he's doing that is because he wants to show and elevate Jesus even more. If Moses is so on top, if Moses is so important, Jesus is even more important, right? And look at what he says. The reason he says this is because Moses was a servant of God in the house of God, but Jesus, like we talked about last week, he's God's son. Jesus is more important because he's God's son. See, a servant can help build the house, but the son is over the house. And let's stop for a second because when we talk about this house, which I love that we sang about this earlier, when we talk about this house that Jesus is over, that he is Lord over, we need to stop and make sure that we understand this is the church. It's not a building, um, it's not a, a place that we go to, but the house is actually the people of God, the church. That is who is over it. And I just want to make sure that I say this as often as I can, I am not over the house. Pastor James is not over it. There is no elder, there is no board member that is over this house. Jesus is over his house. He is over the house of God. So if you're in here and you've believed in the life death, and resurrection of Jesus. You're part of that 
house. You are part of God's family. And so if when the author of Hebrews is talking that then to these people that are part of the house of God, and you're part of the house of God, we have to understand he's also talking to us. So let's see what he says and how we can remain in confidence in Jesus alone. Let's see how, what he says. So let's look together. First thing he says, the first warning that he gives us, hold firmly to our faith in Christ. Now remember, this church at that time, like we said a minute ago, they're debating. They're, they're trying to decide, are we going to go back to our old faith in the law? Are we going to continue in our faith in Jesus? And the author of Hebrews says, no, stay committed to your faith. Hold strongly to that faith that we preached to you through the gospel. In fact, the word here for hold firmly in the Greek, kapecho, is actually the same word that's used of someone who's uh, piloting a boat. Now, I am not a sailor. I don't ever plan to be a sailor. I don't want a boat. I've heard all the stories about when you get a boat, okay? So I, I don't want to do that. But what I do know, what I do know, is that if you are setting sail and you want to go in a particular direction, what you have to do is you have to find something fixed in the distance, something that's not going to move, something that's fixed in the distance, and you continue to kind of point yourself back to that because you're going to veer off course, and so you've got to point yourself back to that. And that's exactly what the author of Hebrews is saying. He's saying as we kind of start to drift away from the gospel and the truth that Jesus died for our sins and rose again, we've got to point ourselves back to that. We've got to redirect ourselves back to Jesus and the truth of the gospel. That's what we've got to continue to point ourselves back to. Now, there's an interesting word that's actually used here in here to describe how we originally declared our faith, okay? And it's actually, there's two different English words that are used, uh, in the NIV at least. It says, the first one says acknowledge there in verse 1. And then if you go over to chapter 4, 14, he says the word profess. Now, it's the same word in the Greek. It's actually the same exact word, and what it means is it means to confess. And you've probably heard that passage before. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved, right? And this is a good opportunity because I want us to understand something about Christian faith. We have to confess with our mouths. Christian faith is about confessing with our mouths, but it's also about holding deeply a conviction in our hearts. So by professing it and by believing it, here's the other truth. We have to be changed by it. We're changed by what we say we believe. We, we say that we believe it, we believe it in our hearts, but ultimately it will transform us, it will change us if we truly believe it. So the first thing, if we want to stay steadfast in our relationship with Christ, the author of Hebrews says that we have to hold firmly to our belief and conviction in the gospel. All right, second warning that we need to embrace is to hear tenderly, the word of God. Verse 7, so as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. So in, in these two chapters, in chapters 3 and 4 of Hebrews here, the author is going to quote verse 7 of Psalm 95 four different times. Now I have heard this, I have been taught this, I believe this, that the mother of learning is repetition. I should repeat that just to make it an emphasis, right? The mother of learning is repetition. So if the mother of learning is repetition, then we have to ask ourselves, why is he repeating this so frequently? Why is he using this particular phrase, this particular verse from that psalm back in the Old Testament? Why is he saying it? So let's break it apart a little bit, okay? So the word here that's used in psalms uh, that the Hebrew author is using in the Hebrew language is the word shema. 
okay? And this is completely familiar, it's super familiar to any good Jewish Hebrew person because every morning they would say the Shema. Now, the Shema is taken straight from Deuteronomy 6, but it, was, it would be something that they would pray regularly. So when they hear this word, they know that it doesn't mean just hear or listen. That's not what Shema means. They know that. It means hear and obey. Hear and obey. Okay? So to them, Shema meant hear it, obey it. They are the same to them. They're synonymous to them. Yet look at how the author describes how they should hear. Okay? It's not just that they hear and obey, but how do they hear? He says this. He says that they should check the condition of their heart when they hear. Was their heart hardening? Now, to have a hard heart in the Old Testament meant one thing. It meant that you were distrusting the very word of God. You didn't believe what God was saying to you. And the, and the psalmist is actually going to point to that. He's actually making an illustration through his psalm that the Hebrew author is pointing back to, okay? Because this is a particular time in the life of Israel. It's when they're wandering in the wilderness. And do you remember the multiple times that they distrust God? That over and over again, they distrust God. They don't trust him to lead them. They don't trust him to feed them. They don't trust him, him to love them. But isn't that where all of our hearts might get? Isn't that where all of our hearts might get hardened? Is this idea of trusting? And this is usually how it plays out. We're on fire for Jesus after recognizing how he saved us, what he's done for us, the great links. Then after a year or two, some of the circumstances in our lives start getting a little bit difficult. We start having some challenges, maybe in our marriage, because we're trying to prioritize ministry in our schedule, but that's starting to kind of come in conflict in the family. Or maybe you're at work and a colleague of yours who you know has taken things from the company for his own personal use, he gets the promotion that you have been interviewing for. Or maybe the house floods again. And you're like, God, where are you? What are you doing? Why? This was so much easier before I actually came to this whole faith thing. That's exactly what the Hebrews are going through as they're wandering in the wilderness. Remember, they've left Egypt. It's been 400 years in Egypt, and they have left Egypt. And they are hungry, they are thirsty, they're wondering, God, where is our next meal going to come from? And they're even wondering, okay, is this place that he's promised us, this promised land, is it even real? Are we going to get to this place? And the whole time, God is sitting there saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? See, God wants his children not just to hear and obey, but he wants to hear us to hear tenderly. And to hear tenderly means making sure that our heart stays in a place of trust and dependence on God's word. We stay in a place of trust and dependence on God's word. It's the kind of heart that actually says this kind of thing. Lord, I know that you love me. I know that you've graciously led me to where I am. I know that you'll continue to care for me. I know that whatever I'm going through is for your glory and my good. See, that's the kind of heart that hears tenderly the word of God. And that's the second thing that he says. Now, look at this, because I want us to make sure we connect this. As the author of Hebrews continues with his Psalm 95, 
He points out how the people's hard hearts actually led them to go astray. So not only had they distrusted God, but their hearts, because they were hardened, started to lead them to go astray. They start to go into sin. And that's always what happens when we distrust God. When we distrust God, it's always going to lead us to sin. It'll always lead us to sin. Because here's what we do. We start, when we distrust God, we start to take matters into our own hands. We start to play God. Now again, this Psalm 95, there's a little bit different context for this particular part when they start to go astray. And I want us to kind of look at it again. Okay, they're about to enter into the promised land. Do you remember this story? They're about to enter into the promised land. They're right there. And God has promised it. God has said, it's yours. You're going to take it. You're going to subdue it. It's going to be yours. God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to send 12 spies. Send 12 spies into the land, and then let them come back and give a report. Remember, they send the spies in. The spies go throughout the, the land of Canaan, and they come back, and they remember, they've got this huge uh, grapevine that's on this pole, right? There's this huge pole between two guys, and they're bringing, I mean, it's enormous grapes, okay? So God was honest when he said that it was a land flowing with milk and honey and even more, right? And so they come back and they bring this back to the people, and the people ask, okay, so should we go in? And you remember what 10 say? 10 of them say, no way, those people are huge. They are going to squish us like grasshoppers. No way, we're not doing it. And two, Caleb and Joshua say, but God promised us this land, and if he's promised us, we should go into the land. And who do the people believe? Hang on, hang on. Before you answer, think of that question. Who do you believe? Who do you trust? Do you trust the word of these men or you trust the very words that God has promised you? And unfortunately, the people of Israel, instead of trusting God, instead of believing God, they believe these men. Now, here's what's ironic about this whole thing. It's always just... I just always get blown away because they get mad at God. They get upset at God because God gives them what they wanted. You don't want to go into the promised land? Fine, don't go into the promised land. You're going to wander in the desert for 40 years. We do the same thing. We distrust God, we sin, and guess what? We, we sit there and we go, God, I'm upset with you. Why, why would you do that? And God says, I just gave you what you wanted. <laughs> Sin always, always starts with our distrust of God. Always starts with our distrust of God. I mean, think about this. Just trace any sinful decision you've ever had, and you're going to see that you distrusted God, you tried to take matters into your own hands, and it fell apart. I love how one commentator put it. He said, just because you disbelieve God doesn't mean you don't believe in something. Just because you disbelieve God doesn't mean you don't believe in something. The thing that you believed in was yourself. You believed in yourself over God. Okay, last warning that the author of Hebrews gives us. Rest securely in what God has already done for us. Now, skip over to chapter 4 with me. We're going to look at verses 9 and 10. Chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. This whole section right here is about the rest that we have in God. So verse 9. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did 
from his. So here's the deal. The author of Hebrews, knowing his audience, knowing that they were good Hebrew people, they're going to hear that word about hearing tenderly, right? And they're going to say, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I am, I'm, I'm going I'm to hear it. I'm going to obey it. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it. I got this. I'm going to do it by myself, right? Because that's the way Jewish people thought. They were trained to think obedience meant blessing, disobedience meant cursing. So that's, that's the mindset that they're in. But I love how the author of Hebrews points out something to them. He says, they thought that they were going to get rest when they went into the promised land. They're like, okay, God's given it to us. We're going to get in there. We're going to have all this rest. But they didn't have rest. And the author of Hebrews tells, them, tells us why. He says, because the real rest wasn't found in the land. God was pointing to something else. He was pointing to the Messiah. The Messiah is where you will find rest. You're not going to find it by going into the promised land. You'll find it in him. See, they wanted to earn the reward of God. And God said, that's not how it works. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to freely give it to you. In the 2002 uh, movie, Catch Me If You Can, I'm a movie guy. In the 2002 movie, Catch Me If You Can, Frank Abagnale is a con artist who, truthfully, he wants to get caught, but he just keeps on running away from the law. But there's a really important scene in the beginning of the movie where Frank's uh, father, Frank Sr., is at this award ceremony, and he's uh, giving a speech for the award that he's won. And he gives this little story that I want you to hear. He says, two little mice fell into a bucket of cream. The first mouse gave, quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he churned that cream into butter and crawled out. Here's the thing. We think we're that mouse. The Hebrews thought that they were that mouse. If I just keep on working harder, if I just keep on doing what I'm supposed to do, then I'm going to be able to get out. And the truth is our culture as a Westerners, it doesn't help us any because we're taught hard work equals success. And again, I'm not saying that hard work is not important. The Bible is very clear that we should work hard. But if we think that our works are what will save us, we are sadly mistaken. And we've missed the whole point of Jesus. We've missed the whole point of him. He's saying this, just rest in my grace. I've already done it all. You are already free. Just be free. Okay, trusting in Christ. Holding firmly to what he's done means I don't have to worry that I've done enough. I can rest from all my have-tos, gots-tos, musts, shoulds. I can rest from that because the work has already been done in Jesus Christ. So he says, hold firmly to that faith in Christ. Hear tenderly by checking that your heart trusts in his word and rest assured that God's grace is enough. It's enough. This morning, some of you, you've come in and you know that you have been trying. You've been working as hard as you can to earn the love of God. And as you're hearing this morning, you're hearing God say, I have already done it. I am enough. Just rest in me. Well, I, I want to point you to one more thing in, in the passage that we looked at today. We said that the author of Hebrews repeats verse 7 over and over and over again. And I want you to see what it starts out with. So look back at verse 7. Today, 
if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. The command is today. So if you hear him speaking to you this morning, don't wait till tomorrow. The call is today. Answer today. If you need someone to talk to, somebody to pray with, Pastor Ronald and I will be here. We want to do that, but the thing that I don't want for us to do is for us to walk out of this room and think that tomorrow will handle it. Tomorrow will bring it to the Lord. Because the author of Hebrews says, today. Bring it to him today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge, Father, to hold on to the faith that we have in Jesus. To hear tenderly your word And I pray, I pray that you would, you'd soften our hearts, God, to trust you, to depend upon you. Because where else would we go? You're our strength. You're our foundation. You're our hope. You're everything. And Father, finally, we just say that we want to rest in what Jesus has done. We know that it's not about anything that we could do, but it's all about what he has already done for us. So help us to rest in that truth this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, and we thank you for your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have questions about this week's message or would like to start a conversation with someone about what it means to walk with Christ, please email pastor at cfeb.church. You can find earlier episodes of our podcast on our website at cfeb.church, where you can also give online to help support community fellowship in our mission to reflect and share Christ's love. We can also be found on many major distribution platforms like Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe to stay connected. Thank you again for listening. Now go out and love one another like Jesus did.